Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. The Seahawks season ended in the desert, so we're here to try and maybe chat about some of that and set the table for what is coming in the off-season. Myself, Stuart Court, and Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? We're good. I mean, it's gripping, isn't it? I mean, story after story about an old man with white hair who's unfit for purpose to going to lose his job. But, you know, enough about Prime Minister uh, and Pete Carrier. We could, we, could, we could pick one or the other, really, at this stage, can't we? It's uh, who goes first? You decide. It's having great fun with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, how long did you write that down? Honestly, I just came up with it now because um, <laughs> I'm like that, Stuart. I'm like a shark. <laughs> Stick with me, sir. Stick with me. Adelaide. And joining us to uh, go through all that is one of our regular guests, a friend of the show, as Adam signed off uh, Adam Amin last week with Mr. Rob Staten. How are we, sir? I'm fine, guys. I just love the idea of Adam, you know, thinking of that just before I got in, having a little chuckle to himself as he came up with that great line. Well, I've had 15 minutes to listen to you two talk about apparently football in, yeah, out of the Premier League, which I didn't didn't think existed. Uh, so, you know, I had, had plenty of time to, you know, get a few uh, get a few bits down. Did you even know where Sheffield is? No, well, no, it's north. So, you know, <laughs> that's all we, all we need to know about that. Up. It's just up. Home of football. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we won't spend too much on too long on it because it was rather as um, probably one of the more irrelevant Seahawks games in the last decade. But like for the second, the first time watching at home, Adam, it was fun watching the Seahawks on Sunday, wasn't it? It was. It was great. It was what we've become accustomed to over the last you know, decade of watching. Seahawk football. It was, you know, there were explosive plays. There were exciting plays. Weirdly, no turnovers. Well, apart from the punt, um, for our end, it was, you know, we lost the turnover battle. Pete Carroll couldn't quite believe that you could go minus one in a game. And how can you not lose? I mean, that, that doesn't work like that. The maths must be wrong. Are you sure the scoreboard's correct? It can't possibly be right. But it turns out that you can, you know, uh, go off, off script slightly and win the game. But um, there's a lot to say. But all I'll say is that there are far too many people out there that are taking 120 minutes of fun and throwing out everything rational that's been said in the last year. And uh, you know, to jump ahead a little bit, we've gone from having the same people demanding NFC Championship or bust six months ago to now being, well, you know, if, they, if they'd won one or two more of these close games, they, they could have made the playoffs, you know. Yeah. So we should stick with it. And, yeah. and I'm riled. I'm not going to like it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, well, if Russell Wilson plays like, like he did the last two weeks, then we'll be fine. Yeah, Russell Wilson doesn't want to be in Seattle anymore. <laughs> That's like one small, it sounds like he doesn't want to be in Seattle anymore. And like, yes, yeah, if, if Rashad Penny can run for 2,300 yards across the season, you'll probably be all right. Yeah. That's not really how the world spins on its axis. No, 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 no. And also, like, he's won... Yeah, it's 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 a powder keg that people just uh, yeah it's it's unsustainable. And also, I don't even think it was in twenty minutes. The Detroit game was farcical, really, because that is barely. It's a terrible NFL team putting up a fight, and then they still scored. Was it twenty nine points? Jared Goff, then he got thirty against this bounce back Seahawks team. Nah, I'm not having it. Uh, but yeah, Sunday, Rob Rashad Penny, and a, a bit of fun. But as I said, it's kind of doesn't distract from what has been a, a rough four months. Yeah, I mean, I'll just be honest. I did not enjoy the Arizona game. Um, for me, it was a complete irrelevance. You know, they, they were going to either be 
six and 11 or seven and 10. And this is an Arizona team that has lost four of its last five games. Does not look particularly good. He's in no form whatsoever. And look, maybe they'll turn it on in the playoffs. But the fact is, in that game, they look flat. They did not look in any way, shape or form particularly motivated to go and win just in case the Rams blew it, which they ended up doing. I thought Arizona looked pretty awful and the Seahawks looked like a very motivated team. Yeah, they had some explosive plays, but you know, my fear of it is, is sort of come to fruition, really, because I was really worried that if the Seahawks win and play well, that what we're going to have is everybody going, oh, actually, do you know what? Maybe if they do this next year, then everything will be fine. And, and it set the table for that. If the Seahawks had lost that game on Sunday, the whole dynamic of this week would have been completely different. Pretty much everybody in the media is talking about running it back. That's the big phrase. You know, it's become the new let Russ cook, run it back. You know, everybody's been talking about that. Everybody's convincing themselves that if everybody comes back together, the Seahawks are actually on the right track. And Adam made a really good point there. When we were talking at the end of last season about what needs to happen this year, not just for the future of the quarterback, but really for anybody to have any faith in Pete Carroll moving forward and John Schneider, was that they had to show progress in the playoffs and here we are 12 months on and they didn't even make the playoffs and then people's answer to that is often well they didn't have Russell Wilson for four games well San Francisco 49ers have had injuries at quarterback um who the other team Arizona. playoffs Arizona's had injuries at quarterback there's another team in Philadelphia's had injuries at quarterback they've had to play their backup the New Orleans Saints have used four quarterbacks this year. All of them are crap. And they've finished with a better record than the Seahawks. So I'm sorry. No, it's an irrelevant game that should not... I've heard... I've literally listened to podcasts and read articles this week where people have gone, I wanted to move on from Pete Carroll. But after watching those last two games, I've changed my mind. How can that be? Yeah, no, I I agree. It didn't change any of that. I just my my point was I just enjoyed the three hours where the Seahawks were on TV. That's literally it. But it didn't really change anything. Um, and then Monday, well, Tuesday morning, early hours of Tuesday morning. By the time he stood up to the mic, uh, happened. Rob, it was forty two and a half minutes, and it felt like forty two and a half hours, didn't it? Yeah, it was, a poor, it was a poor press conference. It was a rambling press conference where Carol kind of just washed away any any issues. And, and that's, it, was, it was some light prodding. I mean, there was no serious questions asked here of the head coach off the back of a 7-10 and 10 season. But when he was asked things like, you know, essentially to defend his draft record in recent years, he just basically said that everything was great, mm. you know, and just bring everybody back. And yeah, do you know the cap space is, you know, we, we, we'll, we can bring guys back with that. And we just, we've shown that we're heading in the right direction. And then there was the Daryl Taylor story. He was asked a completely different question. And he'd obviously been intending at some point to shoehorn the Daryl Taylor answer in. So essentially defend his coaching record and show what a great coach he is. And he kind of just thought, well, I'll just throw it in at the end because no one's asked me specifically about Taylor or anybody like that. So uh, he did. And then he abruptly ended the press conference and that was it. Um, I mean, it, it was it was it was, the, it was the comical alley meme. You know, there are no American troops in Baghdad, but in the form of a NFL head coach press conference. And I just sort of sat there and thought, what, one, it was really disappointing not to see a bit more of a challenge and a pushback to some of the things he was saying. Because Carol at one point, you know, bemoaned 
the fact that they hadn't picked in the top 10, which is something that John Schneider said when he was interviewed on Sunday night. And you can just run through a list of about 15 or 20 world-class players that the Seahawks have been in a position to draft over the last five years. And they didn't take them. So you can't complain about this. There's probably been as many top, top players available in the range they've picked than were actually in the top 10 in each of the last few drafts. And there was no pushback to that. You know, it was just left to, to sort of... To, to fester there and and um and then i'm reading you know essentially a very accommodating media just sort of take all of this positive talk deliver it to the masses we don't have any idea what's happened with carol's future as we speak here right now uh, but a lot of journalists have said well we we don't expect anything to change but you know, there's still going to be this meeting. I don't, why do you have to qualify with that? I'm just saying we don't really know what's going on. We're all kind of just waiting to find out. So, um, yeah, I think the, the press conference was effective for Carol, but um, it was it was like a it was like watching a politician, and he was he was on point with his message, that's for sure. And it's just been kind of accepted by a large portion of the media and large swaths of the fan base. If you you know, woke up after being having a three-month nap and you heard that press conference as the exit interview and you hadn't checked your calendar before uh, you watched it, you'd have thought he was off the back of maybe a narrow Super Bowl loss or, you know, a narrow championship game loss of, you know, hey, I'm the man and, you know, I'm going to control this room and look how well I've done. I mean, he was asked one fairly probing question about what kind of shape he was in, basically saying, what's your job security? And his response was, John Schneider is fat basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like he, he was thought it was Jerry Seinfeld out there, you know, c- calling all the shots and running the show. And um, I mean, Stu, in fact, I was going to play host myself a little bit there because both of you wrote two brilliant pieces. I thought about kind of the reaction to the press conference. I mean, Stu, what was your takeaway from it? Because you've generally been more positive about the whole situation than it, me, but yeah. it felt like that really pissed you off. Yeah. It, it, it was it, it just a, the Daryl Taylor story was, Bizarre. It, it. I think. I think it's that deal. That deal asked about job opportunities with Pete. I guess like Clint Hurt. Clint Hurt's been linked with is it the Miami job in college. I think that was kind of what I thought that was leading to. Then just start talking about Daryl Taylor. He for for that and about twenty minutes of that, he was not talking to the ten or so journalists on Zoom. He was he was prepping himself and hoping that. People up high at Vulcan Sports were watching. It, it it didn't feel like he was doing. Yeah, he he was just saying words for hoping the right people saw it. And I guess with how Rob says people reacted to it, the right people did. But there's still one person we don't know who, how she, if it made any difference. But it was just it it was so annoying because like oh yeah, I think someone replied to the on Twitter to the. The thing I wrote saying, well, what do you expect him to say? Like something, like pretty much something. Because it's, there's as many questions, if not more, coming out of it than there was entering it. it was I, just... felt, I felt it was it was insulting to all of our intelligence, really, to, to sort of go down. And it's not the first time he's done that. I think the whole, it was a non-story about Russell Wilson in the in last summer. You know, I think... I genuinely believe, having interviewed God, however many managers and coaches over the years, that you you, you do have to sort of treat your, the fan base with a little bit of respect sometimes. And if they know it's been pants, 
you've kind of got to at least seed some ground that it's not been good enough. And I think Carol, if it had come out and said, you know what, that's not, I, I am not accepting that at all. We're going to have to make some changes here. I've put, I'm, I'm in the process of formulating a plan on how we're going to do that. I can't share anything with you now, but you know, I think we need to, we need to make sure that this never happens again. You know, that's something that he could easily have said. And I could have gone, okay, fair enough. Let's see what happens this week. But when he comes out and says, everything is fine, we've got that, you know, we're so close. We are so close to being where we want to be, but they haven't been close for years. And they were as far away this year as they've been since 2011. So no, I, I, I don't think that. But then I say it was kind of insulting our intelligence to listen to that. And yeah, I'm looking at the reaction to it. And a lot of people thought, great, that's, you know, that was fine. I'm happy with that message. Now I'm buying in, I'm all in, run it back. So, you know, I'm sort of saying this, a lot of people seem to actually like what he had to say and have, have been reassured by it. I thought it was a desperate man clinging to his job, yeah. giving, giving a self-preservation, like you say, giving a message to ownership, hoping that in the build-up to his meeting with ownership, there would be a lot of positive talk because Pete said this and he doesn't expect to change. And no, we shouldn't expect change because Pete's talking about this. And um, it didn't sit well with me at all. And I wish he'd treat us with a little bit more respect when he's, when he's reflecting on this team because sometimes you've just got to call a spade a spade. Yeah, and like he's also on the Russell Wilson thing, which is still a question. He said he's our quarterback while Russell Wilson talked about wanting to stay in the city. Didn't really say much about wanting to stay with the people he would have to stay with if he stayed in Seattle, but he just said he wanted to stay. He loves Seattle. Well, he he answered it like more pointedly than Pete Carroll answered anything on Monday night, Adam. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things that stand out to me. One, the you know, th there's this this beacon of fifty five million dollars that a lot of people are clinging to, rightly so. I mean, it's an enormous amount of money that you could potentially you know retool, restock, whatever word you want to use. But it does slightly alarm me that the thought of well, you know, we've got to get our own guys back first. Now, I get it. That there is that natural instinct. I mean, Rob's got his hands, his head in his hands as I say this. But you know, I, I support I support a football team or soccer team, obviously, that had a really great first eleven and then had a decent second eleven. And as the first eleven start to dwindle away, those second eleven players start to get their way into the first team. And you try and make excuses and arguments for these players that they could be good enough. But actually, when you look at it on paper, there's a lack of supreme talent. And it's the supreme talent that gets to championships. And as far as I'm concerned, and I hope I'm with two like-minded people in this room, my goal is to win a championship for this team, not to make the playoffs. And yeah, Quandre Diggs, DJ Reed, Al Woods, um, who else is there? Good, good, really good players, really good players. Uh, but they're only good players for me if they're surrounded by blue chip talent. And yeah. my biggest fear for this team is they're just going to spend a load of money on good and they'll just get back in the playoffs at best. Yeah, if Russell Wilson's healthy, they might be 10 and 7 next year. I mean, they've got a hell of a schedule, by the way, um, which isn't going to help them. And maybe they'll be 10 and 7, 11 and 6. But they'll just go out in the playoffs again in the first round. And we'll be sat here again thinking, we've just thrown that year and that season away. And there's not enough self-analysis of why aren't we great? It's just, let's be good. Um, and that's, that's starting to hack me off, Rob, not going to lie. Yeah, completely agree. And, <clears throat> you know, there's nothing wrong with 
one of one of my favourite ever Pete Carroll phrases or comments or sayings was, and he's not said it a lot, but it stuck with me for some reason, was it's never too late to reinvent yourself. <laughs> and and he has reinvented himself at you know, various times. I think people mix up reinventing yourself now with, oh, he appointed Shane Waldron or he tried a bare front. <laughs> that's not reinventing yourself. That's just trying a couple of tweaks here and there or you know, appointing um, an offensive coordinator who isn't, isn't so you know, depressingly negative that you know like people got a bit excited about Shane Waldron if it appointed like the what was it the old running backs coach that he worked with in New England back in the day I think has subsequently retired from the NFL since he was linked with the Seahawks you know that would have been or Anthony Lynn I mean like it was like oh my word you know nobody wanted that so he points Waldron that's not reinventing yourself like if he was willing to say like if he came out and they had this meeting today and and then he comes out afterwards and he goes do you know what we're going to make some change here so I'm going to be the head coach from now on John's going to be the GM and he's going to make all the personnel decisions. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the best defensive coordinator I can get. And they can go out and run this defense. So let's say it's Vic Fangio or whoever. And they come in and he coaches the defense and Shane Waldron or somebody else coaches the offense. And Pete is just the culture setter, the head coach, the motivator, the man at the top, the man who brings everybody together, delegates and, and does it. Do you know what? I'd be fine with that. Get what? Perfect. I, I couldn't have any issues with that whatsoever. But it's never going to happen. The whole point of that press conference wasn't just about Pete keeping his job. It was about Pete retaining the full control. It was about everybody doing everything that they've always done. It was about everything staying the same. Because at the heart of it, what Pete wants more than anything, the only reason he's in Seattle rather than still at USC is because they said to him, you run the show. You make every decision. You answer to Paul Allen, and that's it. And since Paul Allen's passing, I get the sense that he hasn't answered to anybody. And that's how Pete likes it. And that, for me, is not acceptable anymore. There has to be some change. And if he isn't willing to change, then Jody Allen has to change it for him. Simple as that. Yeah. And on, on Adam, on your list of free agents talking about like depth and stuff you've just mentioned um, you had Dwayne Brown 36 37 38 year old players yeah he's good players but the good players are going to retire in like a year or two apart from Quandre I think Quandre is even with his injury on Sunday is the first person you pay DJ Reed is probably going to get a lot of money so if Shaquille Griffin was outpriced DJ Reed's will be outpriced and then what, what else is that? Because the cornerback depth in free agency doesn't ever seem to be very good because the teams usually lock down those kind of players. But yeah, like, yeah, I, I also I, think I agree with Rob. It's just something I had to change, but it just, it, and I just don't see any way that it's going to because it, it is just going to be another wasted year. We're going to be sitting here in 12 months with a quarterback if Russell Wilson stays. He's 35 and hasn't been to the Super Bowl in. Eight years next this time next year nine eight eight nine years this yeah that's unbelievable. Well, I don't know if you've seen the video by Aaron Levine today, which is an interview that he recorded with Carol at the start of the week, and he asked Carol, "Look, the fans and the media found it really difficult last year with this Wilson saga because nobody knew what was going on, and it kind of it stressed a lot of people out." can you reassure everybody that this isn't going to happen again, essentially? And Cal went, well, you, you never know. You know, we, um, we'll have to see. 
and you know we can't predict anything but you know there's going to be changes and we'd like to keep everybody together but this and it was a really kind of empty answer and it and it what it really reminded me of as well is that while we were talking about you know what we'd like to see change or you know what hope that is going to come out of these meetings if there is no change then that's what Seahawks fans have to look forward to it's another two months plus of daily reports on Russell Wilson's future talk shows debating his future people i guess like me writing about it tweeting about it and then a fan base of a group of people who want to trade him and a group of people who don't want to trade him and a group of people who think it's all clickbait media and a group of people who actually think it's a story and they're going to go to war which is what happened last off season that is not in any shape or form appealing I just want a normal off-season. I just want to watch. I just want to sit back, look forward to the senior bowl, look forward to the draft, look forward to free agency. I don't want to look forward to two or three months of Russell Wilson trying to manufacture his way out of Seattle or even pulling it off. And um, that's all we have to look forward to if things don't change. I think that links back to something I've, I've been thinking about all week, actually. And you know, this, this meeting that the Pete Carroll, Jody Allen, John Schneider, if he's there, if he's allowed to be there, meeting. Um, it's Thursday, right? The season ended on Sunday. Now, it is clearly hugely unfortunate circumstances that has landed the franchise in Jody Allen's lap. She probably doesn't want to be the owner. By the sounds of John Canzano's uh, article last week, she may not even be supposed to be the owner, From which is... Uh, if people don't know, I think it sounds like she was supposed to liquidate um, the assets and, and put the money towards some charities. But by the by, with three and a quarter, nearly three and a half years into her reign over the team, if that's what you can say. Um, this is a clearly quite an important meeting. And I'm sorry if this sounds you know harsh on her, if she, if she doesn't want to know. But I want an owner that wants to have that meeting first thing Monday morning, to be honest, because we have spent a year of chatter about this team. And you can be damn sure that if Paul Allen was the owner, hell, if Jerry Jones was the owner, that Russell Wilson story would have nipped in the bud 12 months ago, one way or the other. Um, and I kind of feel the same about this, this stuff now. I mean, it's four days after the season. It may not be your biggest priority, Jerry Allen, but it is to a lot of people. And I think out of respect, th- this should be done by now shouldn't it or, or am I being harsh no I mean even John Mara who's potentially one of the worst owners in the league he's the one that, that brought in all the taunting stuff he 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 showed up on Tuesday morning after Joe Judge just ran also rambled by the way last week on this press conference and actually made a somewhat decisive decision got rid of him John Mara did it on Tuesday morning and like you see yeah it's, it's but it seems to be it's the same with the Tim, the uh, Portland Timber. Is it Timberwolves? I got that. No, no Timber Trailblazers. Trailblazers. I did that last time. Uh, it's the same with them. Like they've lost Lillard for like six, seven weeks in the last season, and he doesn't want to be there anymore either. But it's just it, kind of. It feels like you know. Here's your five year deal, Pete. I'll see you in five years' time. Yeah, that's kind of how it feels yeah. to me. Do you know, and, and that's not on. I just, I agree with you completely, Adam. But I will say this: when Paul Allen fired Jim Mora. It was the Friday after the last game of the season. And they had already been working on Pete Carroll being the next head coach 
And I think they made that decision when Carroll gave them the green light. And I think that took a bit of time. Not mm-hmm. say, I mean, I don't have any confidence whatsoever that Jody Allen has been beavering away in the background yeah, to, to happens, line up a replacement. If, if that uh, happens, I'll come on the show myself as an emergency podcast and launch a formal apology and mail it to her directly. But, but that is the, I suppose, if, if he was fired like later today or whatever, or kept later today, or if there was a decision tomorrow uh, on Friday, then that would be identical to the Jim Mora situation. But um, I guess we'll see, because I don't have any faith that, I, you know, f- from the little whisper or two, I am not an insider at all. But, you know, every now and again, someone will send us a DM or something with some info or whatever, or WhatsApp. Um, what little info is, is that, you know, Alan was consulting with people this week and taking their opinions and I would have hoped that those conversations would have happened like a month ago. Like not now, you know, like a month ago. And maybe maybe she felt like they needed the full picture, the full regular season to assess. Um, but um, I would have preferred all that done. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, guys, that Michael Lombardi was reporting that they hired a search firm. No, I didn't see that, but I may have Lombardi blocked. Okay. Well, he, he, <laughs> he reported on his podcast that the Seahawks had hired a search firm. He didn't know whether that was necessarily as a replacement for Pete Carroll or John Schneider or whether it was some other job. But it's very, I, I would imagine that's quite, you know, they're not going to get a Chuck Arnold, are they? So who would you, I mean, you're not going to hire a search firm to find your next, I don't know, centre, are you? Team so, off, no. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, you know. maybe they haven't done that well. I'd go and if, and it, if it was someone in the scout department, you'd, you'd probably imagine that if John Schneider stayed, then, then John Schneider would appoint them. Or if it, was a, if it was a coach, that Pete Carroll would have some input or Schneider in that. So I, I thought a search, when I heard search firm, I thought that must be GM and head coach because that's where typically you, you hire a search firm for. Now, whether or not that was due diligence in case they were going to make a change or whether that was, I'm going to lay it out to Pete Carroll here and tell him, you ain't running the draft and the personnel anymore. And if you don't like it, off you go some. I don't know. And and if and if she pitches to Pete Carroll, which is, bear, bear in mind, that's what the report has been that Schneider is potentially going to get control over the team, or that's what they want, or that could happen. I can't imagine Carol buying it that into that whatsoever. And if he's told John Steiner's running the, the draft and the personnel from now on, he might, he might just go, well, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm off. And then you need that search for him, don't you? Yeah. But yeah, that, uh, yeah I just... Uh... I, I do kind of think if it was to happen. But also, who who are they looking for? That also kind of points to Alan's point that she's, this ownership is a bit, like not asleep at the wheels, probably a bit harsh, but surely if you're, like Paul Allen went straight away and ran at Pete after Holmgren went. He ran at Holmgren in that 99, whatever it was. Like he just ran at people twice and got, hit the jackpot pretty much with Holmgren and Carroll but it kind of points to your point Adam that it's it's like a very collegiate thing to do to try and replace two guys who may need or may be replaced replaced. I I might be completely wrong the sense I get from Jodie Allen through no fault of her own particularly is that she goes through the diary on a Monday morning and like okay right I've got yeah, this today and then oh fucking hell Seahawks got to do that on Thursday for fuck's sake can you do that can I I've got to do it have I all right fine, I'll, I'll do that. that that's what it strikes as being to me and maybe I'm being bang out of order 
But is there enough evidence? If you if I had a, you had a gun to your head and said, do you reckon I'm right or I'm wrong? What do you reckon? <clears throat> well, can I, don't, can I, play devil's advocate? I don't yeah. think I could ever say the first answer, to be honest, it, to your I, face. Can, can I play devil's advocate for the purpose of, uh, of, of a conversation? So... I, I mean, we all. Did you see the link um, with Dan Quinn last week? Yeah, it definitely would not be my first choice as no. the replacement head coach. But that was from Mike Fisher, who's very well connected in Dallas. And part of me just wondered whether or not the reason why it's taken this long is because Jody Allen knows maybe that Dan Quinn's interested in coming back to Seattle, and because Dallas are still in the playoffs. He ain't going to be taking a job till next week at the earliest. So maybe she's thought, I know who my guy is if it's not Carol. I'm going to, I'm not going to get him in on Monday, you know, right after the game when all everyone's head up about the game or anything like that. I'm just going to let everybody just have a couple of days. I'm going to go and speak to a couple of people that I really trust. Then we're going to get together on Thursday with clear minds and we're going to have it out about the direction of this team. And if we can't agree, then we're going to part ways and I'm going to go after Dan Quinn, let's say. I mean, that, that to me, I mean, I, maybe I'm giving the Jody Allen too, credit by, too much credit by pitching that, but that feels reasonable rather than maybe just going, right, Pete, off the plane, get in my office now. What are you going to do? And Pete's going, we've just beaten the Cardinals. And yeah, yeah, but you were crap against the Bears. Yeah, but, you know, Rashad Penny's had a thousand yards in, a, in three games. Yeah, but, you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, again, maybe I'm just giving her the benefit of the doubt here. Perhaps that's a possibility worth considering. Also, is there something to be said? Because they, we haven't heard either one way or another about if there is any coaching changes like Norton and Waldron because by now within three days of the Rams playoff loss last year Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll whatever happened they had a blow up and he was out within three days so that that kind of leads also into the suggestion that maybe the person who would make that call is not completely secure at all maybe I mean well she's a lot of maybes but from, from, from everything I, well that's why I mean we we had this podcast penciled in for Monday to have a chat and we just thought well We'll just wait to the end of the week because then, then we'll know something. Turns out we're fucking more confused now than we were we were then. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe Carol can Schottenheimer himself in the meeting with Jody Allen because from, from all accounts, didn't didn't Pete go on the radio that morning and say, "Oh yeah, everyone's He's fine around." And and, 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 it was, and then it was, clearly it was, they had a meeting and he, yeah. he, he did himself in Schottenheimer. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't even a statement, was it? It was just a tweet saying he'd gone. Yeah, like we're forever grateful. I thought he passed away. I mean, it was <laughs> ridiculous how, how, how they phrased it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then obviously that, I mean, did that snowball into the Wilson stuff? Or Yeah, because that was pre-Super Bowl, wasn't it? Yeah, it was literally four days, three days. It was like the Tuesday, Wednesday after the Rams lost, which was, I'm guessing it was a Sunday. I can't remember what day. But yeah, it was literally as you'd expect a coach's meeting to be after the season, as you say. Like, it should be all done. All yeah. the players have gone to the corners of the uh, corners of the country. The coaches, what the coaches just sitting in VMAC, waiting to like their audition call or something. What like it's just because there is questions about both of them, isn't there, isn't there Rob? About Waldron and Norton for different reasons, yeah. I guess. And, and I think you're right. I think ultimately this meeting has to be conducted before anything could be done there because 
there's there's no point sort of firing Ken Norton, then having the meeting, and then you're fired as well. I mean, it's, it's convenient for Carroll, isn't it? I mean, if he was thinking of a change, or if he wasn't, if he goes into that meeting and the owner says you've got to fire Ken Norton, then then Pete can turn to because the owner's put me in a bind here, Ken. Rather than just sort of doing it <laughs> off your own bat, you know, one of your closest uh, colleagues, friends o- over the years. So you know, there's there's no point rushing into it. I think the other thing to to remember is sort of the timeline of what happened last year. So. Super Bowl, Wilson does Dan Patrick interview, calls out the offensive line. Um, Wilson has not done an end-of-season press conference yet. And Mm. um, last year was the exact same thing. He didn't do one when all the other players did. He did one after the Dan Patrick interview from his like holiday home, wherever that is, and did like an hour where he was asked about his comments and all this. And he was... You know, he, he sort of talked out both sides of his mouth, which was, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here, but, you know, at the same time, I want to see us do this. But, you know, I'm, you know, and he was asking, answering questions about the coordinator and all that, because I don't think Waldron was appointed by that point. So I suspect that he's waiting as well. And it wouldn't surprise me that if there is no change from this meeting, that Wilson suddenly calls a press conference next week from his holiday home and has his two penneth. Uh, I, I, you know, that's that's waiting. I think he's a bit like us. He's not on a podcast, I'm guessing, but he's probably sat at home right now, you know, wrapping his fingers on the table, talking to Mark Rogers. Have you heard anything yet? You know, kind of wondering what's, what's going on here, waiting to find out whether he's going to initiate Wilson saga part. I was going to say part two, but it's more like part four at this point, isn't it? After two other contract rambles in the past. So, uh, wrangles, not rambles. That was the Carl press conference. But you know, it's this is this is the situation that we we all need to know what's going on. Um, I, I know that the media have been very quick, and maybe it'll be proven that Carol is staying and the status quo remains. I I think there's been too many people saying nothing's going to change here. I remember, I remember. I don't know if you guys remember. I remember 2010. More is not going anywhere. More is not going anywhere. More is not going. More is in a press conference at the end of the season. He sat there for an hour and answered questions. More is not, oh, more is fired. You know, this is just the way it works and has worked in the past. Would not surprise me at all if um, something like that happened. But then that's you know this is this is the first scary prospect. What are they going to do off the back of this meeting? Are, are there going to be any changes? What's going to happen here? The second scary part is. What happens if they actually do make a change? Who the heck's going to come in and actually take this franchise forward? Because as much as I want to see change, I don't want to see them go in an even worse direction because that's, well, it's a nightmare then, isn't it? Mm. I'd almost yeah. rather them watch them be rubbish under Carroll than be able to moan about it than watch them be rubbish under somebody who's completely unqualified for the job. Yeah, that was, was another point with the search firm. Like who would they be looking for? Because it appears that Harbour is either going to be in Miami or Las Vegas. Mal Tucker's just been paid a lot of money for not winning games in, that many games in college football and relying on a running back. Sounds familiar. Um, and there's the, the, there's no coordinators really to speak of apart from maybe Kellen Moore, but he's what twenty four. And so it's just yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of questions on both sides. Of um, either the P forty five or uh, earn a bit more of your fifty five million, Adam. Look, for me, the biggest issue is that there's 
a dearth of quality to make this team a championship team. And one of my biggest reasons for not bringing Pete Carroll back is that, and I think I said this in 2017, Stu, like right at the start of the podcast and maybe in 2019, that like at some point, if you want to like rebuild, you kind of have to bomb at some point. Mm-hmm. And like, there's no shame in that. Everyone does it unless you've got like an Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Tom Brady comes in and changes the franchise around. Like what they have done is admirable in the sense they've tried to remain competitive, but the maths don't really add up. And like my biggest fear is that they just spend $55 billion on the same players and come back and they're just a playoff team again. And like, I'd rather off the top of my head, Kellen Moore as the head coach with Vic Fangio as his, Wade Phillips to Sean McVay style defensive coordinator and yeah. he's given a year of shite say look your job's completely safe whatever you do next year is nothing to do with it but we're going to rebuild to be a championship winning team because I feel like we've all watched enough of a number of sports to know that at 70 years old managers don't change and they don't all of a sudden become great again once the, the drop-off has started I mean not even Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, to a degree, but follow the same path or whatever. But like, Pete Carroll is done as a championship coach. I, could, I don't want to say it, but he's done as a championship winning coach as far as I'm concerned. And I just can't be asked. <laughs> yeah, and also Green Bay is someone, a, a thing you compared on your article as well, I think, Rob, wasn't it? Because they made the decision to get rid of McCarthy with Aaron Rodgers in his prime and have really not skipped a beat at all apart from every Tuesday when he goes on Pat McAfee's show but Pat like they made the change it seemed a bit of a surprise seemed that one that could like um, destabilise things for the team and for the offence and for the most important part of that for for the quarterback but they made the change and they've reaped the rewards since with another uh, number one seed in the NFC Mike McCarthy has got a very similar record to Pete Carroll in terms of wins and losses. Um, one Super Bowl win each. He's he didn't go to a second Super Bowl, but he had a you know NFC Championship appearances. Could never quite get over the hurdle, but they won a lot of games and they were a consistent winner. And then things just went stale. And they mm-hmm. had a couple of six-win seasons. People were questioning Aaron Rodgers. You know, the, the popular thing when you talk about the Green Bay comparison now is to say that Wilson isn't Rodgers. But people forget that Rodgers wasn't Rodgers for a couple of years. <laughs> and so much so that the Green Bay Packers spent a first-round pick on another quarterback. They did not spend a first-round pick on George or to motivate Aaron Rodgers. They spent that pick because they genuinely were thinking we might have to move on from this guy in the future. So, you know, they make the change. What is it? 13 win seasons, three years in a row. I think if you speak to most people right now, they would probably say that Green Bay are the Super Bowl favourites. If I'd be surprised if at the very least they don't get to the NFC Championship game, given that they're going to play at Lambeau. There's always a chance they'll come up against a, a very inspired Tampa Bay or somebody like that and not win that game. For me, if the Seahawks were a legit contender to get to the NFC Championship game every year like Green Bay, I'd live with that. Even if they don't get to every Super Bowl, you know, or they only get to, they say they get to four NFC Championships and they get to one Super Bowl. I would take that as a, for my team to be in the mix that way every year, I would take that. And I think that's 
perfectly plausible for the Seahawks. I don't think they need a, a massive overhaul. I think they just need to build the trenches up, fix the pass rush, draft a bit better, and they can get to a position where they are very competitive um, alongside the likes of Green Bay. So I don't think it's, you know, I don't see any reason to shirk away from that. I mean, in terms of the, the coaching candidates that are out there, I mean, I think there are a few guys who you could sort of at least, you know, if, if they were named, you could go, okay. And look, I've, I said I'm not, Dan Quinn's not my favourite option here. What you really need, what do you really need as a head coach, guys? What do you think is a head coach who's, a, who's head coach material? And it really is somebody who I think is willing to lead, who can motivate, who can bring everybody together. But I also think it's someone who can delegate. And I think that's one of the most important things the Seahawks miss right now. And if it was Dan Quinn, provided he was able to bring in a fantastic offensive coordinator, or if Shane Waldron developed into one, I wouldn't have such an issue with it. He got to a Super Bowl because Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator. If he was willing to bring in a superb defensive coordinator to work with him, to mesh ideas, then I, I, I'd be happy to go along with something like that. I think Brian Flores, someone was saying to me that they, they found it hilarious to suggest that Brian Flores was a, a viable alternative to Pete Carroll. But then I pointed out to him that, well, both coaches inherited what amounted to an expansion franchise when they took their, their most recent jobs. Except Brian Flores won 15 games with the Miami Dolphins and Pete Carroll won 14 with the Seattle Seahawks. But then Pete Carroll was given Russell Wilson because John Schneider was so determined to have him. And Brian Flores is stuck with Tua Tungavailoa. So there's your difference. So I, I'd, I'd happily have Flores as long as he didn't, make a big zero of the offensive coordinated gig, which is what he did last year in Miami. So if you had somebody lined up, if Waldron was to stay and have that consistency, fine. And you could run through with various Doug Peterson. I'd like to see them be big and bold and just say to New Orleans, what do you want for Sean Payton? Let's see if we can make it happen. Do you know what? The worst thing they can say is get stuffed and put the phone down. You know, the best thing they could say is, yeah, let's talk. You know, you've got nothing to lose. So I, I do think there are options there it, but at the same time, you know, there is part of me that worries a little bit that they move Pete on, they get somebody completely useless or they get someone who could be good, but then they don't put the right staff around them or that person can't deliver a staff. And, it, and it's just bad again next year. Because like I say, if we're going to moan and complain about the Seahawks, I'd almost rather just sort of go, look, we were right. We, you said another season of Cal would lead to this and look, here we are and all that, rather than say, well, what now? Because they made the change. And they got it wrong. But that shouldn't be a reason to not change things. You know, you can't not change things through fear of getting it wrong. You're just going to make sure you get it right. That's, that's how it is. And the Seahawks got it right with Carroll. They got it right with Holmgren. They got it wrong with Jim Mora. So learn from the two times you got it right and learn from the one time you got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think Warfires is probably the best. He's the best name probably out there, isn't he? Like, I think he's a good coach. Yeah. And he seems to be someone who most of the players seem to it seems one of those old, probably cliche, but it did seem like a bit of um, a good one for uh, a player coach, is the words I'm looking for. Well, he's, um, a Belichick, he's a Belichick disciple, so he's going to be a hard ass. You know, he's, he's, yeah. he's, I don't know whether I'd describe him as a player's coach. <clears throat> I was listening to something where he basically said, I think someone suggested that he said to Tunga Vilo, I wish we drafted somebody else. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I don't know if he's a player's coach. No, but, maybe not then. But when I've listened to him, I, I've liked what I've heard. And, you know, short of that seven-game losing streak that they had, which was then followed by a seven-game winning streak, I think he's shown that he can he can coach. You know, they've got no O-line. They've not got a quarterback, in my opinion. You know, they've they've got basically one good receiver. Um, they've cobbled together a running game. 
Um, he gets a lot out of his defence. He's beaten Belichick four times in a row. They've had back-to-back winning seasons, and Miami is a basket case for franchise. There's, there's a lot to you could you can build a case for him, can't you? Yeah, yeah, and I think outside of that, it's just a lot of unknown. But that's what exactly what firing Carroll would bring. But that's kind of this best case scenario, maybe. Like the unknown is not a bad thing to take, is it, Adam? No, I mean, look, I we've seen a lot of this on our UK Facebook group, which has got a lot of American fans in it. And I know, look, Rob, you know, shaking head, I, I get it totally. But equally, I totally understand the people in America who go to the Seahawk games with their parents or their kids, and it's a great afternoon on a, sun, on a Sunday, and they win. They don't win every game. They win enough. They go home. They've had a nice experience. And I totally understand why, for them, the status quo is better. Um, and I've said quite a few times on the show this year that it, it's made me realise how different and how personal the experience is of supporting a team when the games are at the wrong times. I mean, I just go to bed. I mean, Rob, bless your heart. You write, you know, uh, you know, an, an, op- an opus about each game after, after each game. And then you do a, a stream. That, you know, you're kind enough to invite me on. But half time, I'm in bed by, by the time that the last snap's taken. I mean, I, we used to go to bed heart pounding after Seahawk games on Sunday nights. And, and ultimately, we, we've said a couple of times to you that we barely even celebrate touchdowns this year. And really, it's, it's kind of been because it's been that same experience of a preseason soccer game. What this goal means, you know, it doesn't mean anything because we're not going to win the league off the back of this game. And ultimately, I've not celebrated much this year because the celebrate, you know, the means to the end is, is the championship. And the championship isn't going to come. And so there's so many times where I just think, what am I doing? Like, I'm just passing three hours now. And again, I totally respect the people in Seattle who have been through so much shit and they go and they lose every week and whatever. But that's not really what it's like for us because we invent, you know, it's midnight. It's a shit night's sleep tonight, regardless, because we're talking about this team. Stu's going to have to produce this rubbish. Rob's going to write another article. You're going to have, you know, amazing draft stuff. Like, it's just a different investment of time for us. And I think for me, that's why I want the change more because if we have a new head coach, I'm going to be at the front of my, you know, front of my seat watching the first game next year because something might happen. And all I can think is this year, if it comes back again, it's another year where deep down, I know it's not going to happen. And I, I I'm just not in it for that. Yeah. I mean, I was in the stadium and Travis Homer scored a touchdown. I didn't go out of my seat. Yeah. I just sat there because I was like, well, yeah, but now you're going to go. You were quite pissed, in fact. No, yeah, 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 right there, maybe, maybe not as drunk as the person I was uh, sitting with. Shout out, Theo. Um, yeah, Rob. Sorry about my my diatribe there, but I mean, am I am I, am I way off? I mean, you put no. more time into this than anyone I know. Well, actually, as you were speaking, there, I was thinking, wow, you know, I wish I had said this, you know, because it was just, <laughs> you know, the way that you you put that together, it, it's something I never thought of. You know, the way that it impacts us differently, it did make me think about a lot of different things. It also made me think about you know, why sometimes, you know, someone such as myself has to realise that, um, you know, every fan's different. You know, every fan is different and they want something a little bit different from their team. My dad will go and watch his football team on a Saturday. And yeah, do you know what? He'll have a moan during the week if they've lost, but he'll go home from the game. It's not life and death for him. He's not thinking about the coach has got to be fired or he's not running through football manager that night to find the striker they should sign on loan and, you know, tweeting... (laughs) violently about why they should go and get him. 
Um, it, for him, it's just basically something to do on a Saturday afternoon every other week. Um, that's how he fans. And there are a lot of fans out there who, you know, they like Pete Cow, And for them, they're very comfortable having somebody at the front of their franchise that they like. That if they had, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody now, you know, a, a coach. There, there are many... imagine, imagine if they hired Harbour. Yeah, I mean, he's a good example. He's, he's not, a, he's not, he's a, he's an acquired taste, isn't he? And a lot yeah. of fans will just be turned off by the idea of Harbour. And look, there are worse examples than him. You know, there are, there are people who are quite horrible people who could be your head coach. And, you know, these fans don't want to, don't want that kind of person representing them. They're, they're proud that Carol's the coach. And I get, they like him. I get that. And therefore they don't want that change. But then there's, there's fans like us who maybe, like, who do stay up at night, who want that, you know, that feeling at 9.25 on a Sunday of that, that we used to, I used to have, and by what you're saying, you guys used to have where maybe we're now before kickoff, you're getting that sort of little tingle of excitement. And then like your heart's pounding when the game kicks off, like you've been waiting all day for this. And then many nights I couldn't sleep. Like I, the number of nights I went to bed at like two, three in the morning after a nine o'clock game, simply because I couldn't relax. You know, I had to watch the highlights. I had to read everything. Yeah, read everything. I had to sort of see the press conference. I had to watch the players talk. And then, and then I'd have to have a cup of tea, which would wake me up even more. And then <laughs> I'd like just, eventually I'd just be so tired that I could go to bed and have no sleep and wake up and go to work. Sometimes I'd go straight to work because I was working like on a breakfast show or something. I'd not even been to bed. That's what being a Seahawks fan was about for me. But there is one thing that I will add to that. One thing I don't get, though, is, and I see it on the Facebook page with the Seahawkers UK, is this kind of idea that if you do want change, that you're some kind of bandwagon fan or that you are, you know, uh, I was having an argument with somebody who was saying um, that it's a good job the players don't, Think like some of our fans, and it's like, well, what's that got to do with it? I wouldn't expect you know the, the Seahawks defense to go out there and have my mindset going to play the Arizona Cardinals, most because they probably end up really hurt. You know, if you're on special teams thinking, well, oh, kind of He's wish big. Carol, wish Carol could go, you know, and yeah, exactly. I'll just, I'll just toss this off because you know, in my mind, it's probably better to lose this game. You know, I wouldn't expect them to share those kind of sentiments. You know, I, I just wish that we could all sort of because I don't, I. I do think I understand some fans who want him. I, and I, I, I think some of their arguments are weak sometimes to be countered. But I also wish that people could understand why after a losing season and some bad drafts and you know, a lot of other things, some of us just want that buzz of a change. You know, want to see yeah. something a bit different moving forward. Want to give it a go. Want to take that risk. Yeah, I mean, that's one reason why... I don't know why. It, yeah, it is a reason why I watched his post-game and then the Monday presses just to see if something was in the offing. And no, it wasn't. But also on that, the, the players, the players that isn't the, one of the points to get rid of Pete is that the most important player maybe does agree with us that he wants the coach not to be there. Isn't that like a bit of a point that the quarterback has, is almost, it's the quarterback or the coach. That is one of the crooks of the whole thing, isn't it, Adam? think so um and we're in that strange position as far as Carroll is concerned that as a 70 year old man if he trades away Russell Wilson realistically you're not going to know if his philosophy is right because it's so unlikely that he'll get a quarterback in that is good enough to add his talent to Carroll's vision to take you back to a Super Bowl whereas 
you know, if Kellen Moore did become the offensive coordinator or head coach with, with, with Russell Wilson, you know, nine times out of 10, you would imagine that would be a far better season churned out than Pete Carroll and Teddy Bridgewater. So is that awkward position of, you know, Pete might get his way, but we'd never actually know if it was right because he wouldn't have time to, to implement it, um, you know, to, to give us actually any results, Rob. The, the, the non-Russell Wilson quarterbacks, the Seahawks, I think, have gone after Matt Flynn, Char- Charlie Whitehurst, and I think they preferred, wasn't there a chat that they wanted Dalton in 2011? Mm. With Kaepernick sitting right there, they wanted Andy Dalton. So they're, the track record minus Russell Wilson. And also they drafted Alex Magoo, who is like, I don't know, hoping the Kurt Warner story strikes twice, maybe it's one, I don't know. But it's, it's the track record for getting quarterbacks not named Russell Wilson for this, the, the, the decision makers, isn't great. Oh, and Charlie Whitehurst, if, let's not forget, cost a third round pick and they essentially swapped a pick right at the top of round two for a pick right at the end of round two, which ended up being Golden Tate. But that's an incredibly expensive trade for someone who'd proven so little in the NFL uh, up until that point. And they fought off, I think it was competition from Arizona to, to get him in and have him compete with Matt Hasselberg. Then it was Tavares Jackson. You know, then it was Matt Flynn at great cost. Um, they, they, you know... If, if somebody else had taken Russell Wilson in that 2020, 2012 draft, then there's every chance that Pete Carroll wouldn't have lasted, you know, beyond year three or four. The, well, the, the, the best proof of that is that he said it himself. Yeah, he said he said it himself. And when he said that, I was like, oh, here we go, here we go. And then... But, you know, this, this is a point that has, again, been neglected, maybe because people don't want to talk about it. But the Wilson's situation has not gone away. You know, if Russell Wilson comes out and volunteers, I hope this isn't my last game in Seattle as a Seahawk. And the week before the season finished, I think people have forgotten that Adam Schefter wrote a very Wilson-leaning piece, which was clearly from Mark Rogers, saying this could be the last game with Pete Cowan and Russell Wilson together. People have have seemed to have taken that information on and then decided that everything's fine, that Wilson will come back and look, maybe he will assess his options. I don't think this is likely at all because I think Russell Wilson will <clears throat> will find an alternative that he can buy into. But let's just run through some a couple of things. Saints, he would he would want to play for the Saints if Peyton's still there. So he will, if if for no other reason, he would agitate for that. There was I was watching I was listening to something this week. I can't remember who said it. It was a it was a serious individual though, and they said that Mark Dave uh, Mark Davis isn't it the uh, the Raiders owner yeah <clears throat> has got a real thing for Russell Wilson that he was all in on Wilson a year ago, and he's thinking this off season after everything that's happened with Ruggs and Gruden and Arnett that they they need to make a rock star coaching appointment and they need to make a rock star personnel appointment at some point this offseason and he listed the Raiders so that's that's one there the Giants are, are an absolute lost cause at this point but it's funny isn't it with one coaching appointment that could completely change if they appoint somebody who Russell Wilson believes in and I had a look at their roster they're in a bit of an issue with money. the cap yeah. but they have a means to just create an easy sort of 30 to 40 mil 
and Wilson's contract would be $19 million for the Giants this year. So you can actually sort of see how it would fit in there. And they need to do something to change the dynamic in, in New York because at the moment, everybody's just laughing at the owners. So, you know, there are, there are, there are options for Wilson that you would imagine he would, he would be open to. And, and then if there isn't any change, we're just going to have it all again. And we should just embrace that that's a fact. Like the fact that there are people still out there either calling this clickbait, assuming that he's just going to willingly run it back and do another year. Just a little bit, what planet some people are on when they think that. Because it, to me, it's as obvious as, you know, the sky is blue, that, that this is going to be an issue for the Seahawks unless they change something. Yeah. Also, there is, I've heard something that although they don't have the draft capital, that um, Chris Ballard is and Jim Irsay are in, get a good quarterback now, please. And even apparently Frank Reich is non-committal on Carson Wentz, but they have, I don't think they have, they don't have a first round pick this year and I don't think they have a second round pick next year. I think the Colts, so they don't really have the draft volume to come and get him, but, and also the Ballard's number two currently is Ed Dodds, who was in Seattle with Schneider for a few years. So there's, do you know, do you know also that, they have an airline. Do you know who Tom Brady's number one choice was yes. when he was a Frazier? It was the Colts. And they and the Niners will be kicking themselves forever that they didn't just go for that. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, he, Tampa Bay was not his first choice. Um, the Colts, the thing is, is for the Colts to make it happen, they would probably have to trade somebody. And I'm struggling to think who they could, I mean, unless they're going to trade Quentin Nelson for like is, first it, round picks. Who, they, who, how are they going to get Russell Wilson? Yeah. just or anybody else for that matter. They have no picks in the mm. first round. So, you know, is, is they going to get rid of DeForest Buckner? Are they going to trade Jonathan Taylor? Are they going to trade Quentin Nelson? That's it. They have nobody else who you would think would warrant a first round investment. So, I, it's it's practically impossible, isn't it, for them to yeah. to get somebody in. Yeah, no, I, I, I think Garoppolo is definitely an option for them because I think that kind of that is a, a, a lot more affordable. But, um, but yeah, it's good shout. Yeah, um, Adam F. House, it feels like it's just the same. If I it's think, a, I so, Rob, said it all. yeah, so Rob, if if the Seahawks will keep Pete Russell Wilson swans off to Vegas or uh, New Jersey, the Meadowlands. Uh, the senior bowl is in a few weeks, and reading the mm. list of quarterbacks, honestly, there is like the meme joke that the Seahawks just go to the senior bowl and pick players from there which I mean has a lot of weight behind it um, Pickett and the Sam Howell seem to be the top two of the quarterbacks at the senior bowl is there anything that wow. fits in Seattle for them either of them two no I mean I can sum up every quarterback <laughs> in the draft class in one sentence um, Kenny Pickett has Tiny hands. He has like eight and a quarter inch hands. And he throws in gloves. And uh, that is an alarm bell. And look, he had a nice season, but we're talking about a guy who's in his 50s. He's 24. I just have a hard time buying into, into that package, frankly. Um, okay, Sam Howell is about six foot tall. He's like a poor man's Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and, and and for some reason they run him on quarterback draws a million times at North Carolina and that was bizarre um, and he had like a thousand yard season as a runner didn't he this year and it was like he lost he can't he, run he lost, 
He lost all his receivers, didn't he? Newsom and um, who's the Brown, Diami Brown. They all left. Obviously, the running backs left as well. Malik Willis' throwing technique is <laughs> is like a Freddy Krueger film. I mean, it is just so bad that it scares the living daylights out of me. It would need. It, it, I mean, like Justin Fields needs to rework his mechanics and, and is struggling and is having a major, a huge amount of turnovers as predicted as a consequence of his technique. And Malik Willis is even worse. So um, that's him. Uh, Carson Strong is so exciting as a pocket passer. His, his arm strength, his some of the throws he pulls off are just had to have to be seen to be believed. But he's also... And then, you know, to say he's a statue is putting it mildly. Like, it's as if he's stuck to the turf. Like, someone has actually sewn his feet to the turf. He's that's, he has takes so many sacks. And he's got not just a, a knee issue. He has, it seems, such a bad knee issue that he may never even play. You know, like, I, 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 he's going to be just wiped off boards because teams are not going to clear him because of the knee issue that he's got. So that's him. Desmond Ridder is skinny and his accuracy is all over the place, but every now and again, he pulls out a fantastic pass and he's very athletic. So he'd like, you kind of want to like him, but you, there's something like preventing you from really liking him. Um, and I think that's it. I think that is the sense of the quarterback. Class. It is absolutely honking. <laughs> and, and then when you look at the, the draft class for next year, you basically got Will Levis at Kentucky, who I think is very interesting. But then, I mean, even the Alabama quarterback's overrated. You know, CJ Stroud, no thanks, even though they had a prolific Rose Bowl. Um, for me, you're looking at guys like Dorian Robinson Thompson, I wish had declared from UCLA. Tanner McKee, who basically took two years to do admission um, because uh, of his religion. And he's come back and had a season at Stanford and was pretty good. So there's something to, to watch there. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade Russell, whatever you think of Russell Wilson. And I think there's a lot of people out there who either don't like Russell Wilson because they want the excitement of the trade or they don't like Russell Wilson because they think he's no good anymore or they simply just find, as I'm sure this opinion is shared amongst us here, he produces some of the most cringeworthy online uh, content you will ever see. Um but I still wouldn't trade him just because I don't want to be in the Charlie Whitehurst situation again. I don't want to be in the bidding war for Jimmy G. I don't want to be saying, hey, Mitch Trubisky, if you fancy another crack at the NFL, you know, I, I'm, I'm not down for that. And that's what you're looking at if you trade Russell Wilson. Yeah, it's petrifying. Um, yeah, uh, we've spoke for over an hour and still nothing has come out of uh, no, no white smoke has come out of uh, the VMAC in the last hour, I don't think. Anyway, uh, Adam, anyone for the bin this week? Quickly, I think we've, we've kind of done an hour and ten minutes. Okay, game, fair enough, yeah. uh, but I think <laughs> the the Houston Texans treatment of David Cully uh, seems pretty piss poor. I mean, he's not done a you know maybe he has done a good job given the hand he was dealt, um, and uh, it's just not a great look. Uh, I don't think, and, and some of the things that have come out um, since then, it sounds like Nick, Nick Cesario is he the general manager there? You know, 
been at practice and been in the headset during games. I mean, it sounds like there's a right old cluster going on down there. And then, you know, you've had the situation of the Sean Watson has just been on the active list, just all season, just a mad situation going down there. So I suppose it can always be worse. Um, you could always be the Houston Texans. It might very well be um, with whatever comes in the next few days. Out of the Pacific Northwest, anyone for you, Rob? Or just well, to- do you know, I mean, just just to be you know, just to be annoying to a lot of people, I'll just say uh, Brandon Staley because you know he is a very fashionable coach. You know that loads of people love Brandon Staley because he talks about analytics and he talks about you know he, he's kind of a trendy guy. Um, and I and I you know I've got to admit I've listened to him and I think he's quite interesting you know to listen to at times and I and I, and I don't dislike him I don't dislike his press conferences but. Purely for the fact that uh, you know they uh, they've been they've somehow managed to take that roster and find themselves on the outside looking into the playoffs with Justin Herbert and all that and you know I just find it incredible and uh, so he gets to go in the bin because they, they I mean like, just imagine like how the hell have the Chargers not got in the playoffs you know look at the look at the roster yeah. like, Justin Herbert's played great how the hell are they not in the playoffs they've got no excuse. No, it seemed like 90% of the late window red zone was Mike Williams' touchdowns like, all season. I, I didn't even know that there was a chance they were going to make the playoffs until, <laughs> until, until like an hour before the finals again. <laughs> like, and the Chargers need this. And I was like, what? You know, I thought they were just like, in. You know, yeah, like, uh, yeah. and, they, and they don't get in. And the Steelers rolling out like the, the court, Ben Roethlisberger. It was like, can I be? I mean, God, he looks about 90 when he's out on the field. Like any time I've watched the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger has not been able to do anything. Like he just, he basically, to get his arm in the air is a struggle. It's like, oh, oh. Like that's how he throws. And they're in the playoffs. And, and the charges with Justin Herbert are not. How do you do that? Like I'd fancy myself to go over there and coach the, the charges to attempt. <laughs> how has he managed to, uh, like, obviously got something on this week that he just couldn't get out of. I mean, like, has he promised his wife a nice holiday? I mean, what is going on here? Wow. How are they not in the postseason? So he's he in the must, He must be on the same holiday as Frank Reich because uh, the two yeah. losses they've had are unbelievable. I mean, that must be the worst loss in regular season history that the Colts have suffered be. at the hands of the yeah. Jags. It, it wasn't even that they lost. They got pounded. It's the manner. Yeah, it's, it's, the manner, it's the manner of the loss, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like if they'd have just... It was like 27-3. Somehow had a few bad breaks and they lost by a late field goal or something. But it's like, oh, no, we weren't going to arse us, Kate, <laughs> by Daryl Bevel's Jaguars. You know, it's yeah. just that, wow. I mean, uh, we, Stu, I must just interject. You said there's no news out of the Seahawks, but I, you, I, you must be mistaken because I'm just on Sierra's Instagram <laughs> um, and her, her latest post from an hour ago we're so excited to introduce the Fragrance Duo Harmony by RNC Fragrance. Harmony oh, represents no. the connections of souls underneath all the lights and glamour. It is soft and gentle with notes that are pure, fresh and contemporary. Launching 20th of January. Trade Russell Wilson. Trade him. No, I'm sorry, I'm joking. But, uh, but you know... This so you is- say there's no news, but that, 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 I mean, that's groundbreaking. I mean... That we've got a new a new aftershave perfume that we, yeah we can share with our wives. <laughs> well, that's, that's all, all I've always wanted to have okay. a fragrance I can share with my wife. So you said last you've said quite a, a few times Adam that did do you know anyone who listens to his podcast? No. <laughs> do you know anyone who wears Goodman brand? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> I think the Venn diagram <laughs> might be a complete circle of the two things, to be honest. Like, uh, the only person I've ever seen wearing good man brand is Russell Wilson walking into stadiums on Sunday mornings. The, the man has had so many businesses, hasn't he? That you'd think at least one of them would have worked out by now, but like, well, not, nothing has stuck. Where like, did the wa- where, where did the recovery water go? The same way that Eat the Ball did, I think, and <laughs> um, and all the various things. Yeah, the Pass last the W. Fra- that was a good one. The, the last uh, the last fragrance was described as, you know, now you get to smell of Russell and Sierra's love for each other. So this is only slightly oh. less cringy than that, you know. I mean, I don't know what Russell and Sierra's smell of their, what their love smells like, but I didn't personally want to have anything to do with that. I've seen, the, I've seen the Twitter videos. I wouldn't want to douse it on me, put it that way. No, no. I mean, this is, this is the side of Russell Wilson that, you know, you just, you just wished in. You turn the off. The wish that you could just, you know, mute. Yeah. Because yeah. it, is, it is somewhat embarrassing. You know, yeah. it, it, makes, it makes Aaron Rodgers <clears throat> as like, you know, Shooting from the hip interviews on Pat McAfee seem really appealing, doesn't it? At least he has an opinion, I guess. <laughs> I guess. But no, no. Uh, my bin yeah. is Joe Judge because calling yeah. sneaks on second and nine and third and nine when you're inside your own five is just like, I know it's only like $5 for a ticket and shout out to Ben. Uh, who's been on the pod, who's a Giants fan and was in New York over the weekend and went to the Brooklyn Nets game instead. <laughs> um, yeah, that can't, but it's just, it's almost like, my, like what, like he should have been fired then. But that, the minute that play didn't work, he should, John Mara should have Antonio Browned him on the very same field. He should have just, yeah, just take, it's, just take it's yourself worse than that, It's worse than that because it was announced that he was safe. And in the process of two weeks, he's made himself fired because of that, you know, the three and nine yeah. sneak. I mean, if, I guess if, he did, if the quarterback had just dropped back and heaved it downfield, then he may still be in a job. And, and then the other thing was, this, I don't know if you saw his press conference last week, where he kind of went incredible. on a, and like an 11 minute rant where he basically admitted to tampering half of the league <laughs> and saying that everybody who doesn't play in New York wants to play there to work with him. And it was, it was, it was like, have you thought about this press conference before you went in? You know, like, because that and the third and nine sneak has cost the man a job because he was safe. All he had to do was learn from the Pete Carroll book of say absolutely nothing and claim everything is brilliant. And he would still be here, probably. Mm. He fired Garrett, Jason Garrett, and things got worse. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think there's anyone else. Also, uh, like everyone just tweeting that there's something coming, but nothing may come. And what may come, maybe nothing, but it may be something from all the Speak Carol stuff. I've seen three tweets today from different people saying it's happening. Something may come, but may not come. But when we, yeah, it's just, just wait. Just don't have to speak out everything. Do, I guess this is what the last hour has been. But, but can I just ask though? Do you would you rather not hear anything and sort of be left wondering, or would you rather hear? Something might happen today because, you know, there's that sort of little glimmer of hope. (laughs) Something might actually happen today rather than just the, when are we going to hear anything? Is anything, is there even a meeting? From my point of view, it strictly depends on who it comes from because 
I've read the same tweet and two people have said, oh, thanks, Bob. And I've also said, oh, fuck off, Silver. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it really depends on, on who it comes from for, for me to uh, whether I want to see the news or whether I don't want to see it, I think. Yeah. Uh, like Silver, who, who retweets like the most mundane things. So if someone goes like, yeah, thanks, Mike, he'll retweet that and go, no problem, as a quote tweet. Or, you know, someone goes, oh, we were talking about this last week. And you'll just quote tweet. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, if you want to get involved with podcast, patreon.com forward slash the pedestrian podcast, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes. The little thing I put together uh, from best of 2021 is up on Spotify. Thank Rob, plug. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, for all the people who, who may hate me um, for my opinions on the Seahawks, um, I have got some nice off season content coming up soon. A nice plan that is written out for the for the off season, regardless of who's in charge. I've kind of just been waiting on some big news potentially before firing that out there. But that'll run through free agents and and draft picks and a, and a sort of a plan to to get things moving. Uh, when the senior bowl starts, I've already booked a week off work to uh, dive headfirst into that. Uh, the combine, I booked a week off work for that. That is the most tiring five days of the year uh, watching the combine. Um, but that's all sorted, and we'll have. Prospect interviews, we will have um, analysis of, of so much every step of the way for the off-season. So, like I say, even if you hate me personally, um, which I've been made very aware is the case in some in some quarters, I still think the content is, there isn't really anything else like it for any other team in terms of a draft off-season blog. So, silkstrapblog.com and Rob Staten on YouTube. Yeah, cool. And when uh, Chef started at Rico, you have to try and get um, get your media pass. And I'll, yeah, I'll... when is that? No idea. It's probably going to be postponed. We got like I am, seven... I am I am going to Coventry against Barnsley, oh, you, which is coming up soon. So, so I am what, definitely. One of... Yeah, we have got like fifteen games in February because of COVID. So yeah, we got Southampton in uh, the cup. I'll, yeah. I'll, you better come and say hello. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm up in the far corner, up in the booth above the. Away fans, uh, yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to reading all the stuff. Also, three of our podcast guests are still in the league, Adam, in 2022. Madre Harper and Brendan Knott signed futures deal, and obviously, the boy in the sham right is uh, did all right, I think, in his rookie year in limited snaps for the Cowboys. But three podcast guests are still in the league in 2022. It's pretty cool. Yeah, a few more of them on, hopefully, and uh. More, more right than Knox, if we can get response-wise uh, to, to your questions. I yeah. think we can, we can say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice arranged, and then, yeah, this was, this, this, yeah, this was probably to, to sign his contract this week. Um, yeah, until next time, thanks everyone who's listening. Enjoy the off-season. Enjoy the next few weeks of the NFL playoffs when the Seahawks aren't in them, maybe. Yeah, some uh, freshening up of the faces will happen when you're not watching the Seahawks in the playoffs and deep into January and the Super Bowl at the start of Feb. Until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Go Hawks.